Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today. And that's what we're talking about this morning is, and we're coming down on this now, a few more chapters, uh, as it were, and then uh, we'll uh, go on to the next exciting subject in Scripture. I will say that uh, I've come to realize that uh, many people have said the same thing. They, they don't get it all in one message, so they go back and listen to it, either via the YouTube. And by the way, thank you, the online family. We love each one of you. And we're so, just give you a special greeting this morning. Everybody here loves you. Can't wait to see you. But uh, so if you can uh, listen to it again, you don't have to just do it live streaming. And then, or you can download the podcast and just listen to it, maybe when you're commuting or maybe when you're exercising, because I will tell you, especially today and some of these other ones, uh, the goal is to get all of the truth or at least a a good, uh, uh, get our minds around a whole bunch of things on this one particular topic. So the course and the nature of the message is, I'm just going to blast it out there. And so there's no way to, to get all of it just by sitting here and listening. I uh, must admit, you're going to have to take some notes, go back, read the scriptures, think through, or even listen to it. And that's kind of the way these work. And by the way, that's the beauty about having all these wonderful media. Thank you for that great media team that makes it work. So that's our goal. That's our plan. But I will say this. If you could get at least one thing this morning uh, that God is truth. All truth comes from Him, finds its origin in Him, its end in Him. And uh, people sometimes say that, you know, there's truth, but not all truth is from God. No, if it's truth, it's from God. And that's what we're talking about this morning, that God is truth. A couple of years ago, my precious wife and I had the privilege of going to an absolute amazing buffet. Now, we've been to a few uh, buffets before, but I will tell you, this one that we went to was absolutely over the top. I'm not sure if this was the one we went to or not, but uh, that looks like a beautiful one. But I will tell you, I I almost uh, had a nervous breakdown trying to figure out all the different food. I mean, you could pick this or that, every kind of a nationality food. It was never ending. Today, it would seem that in regards to factuality, to accurate information, even truth itself, it appears that most people now act like they're in a buffet line, picking and choosing what truths they think are accurate or what truth they want to follow. This buffet-style truth is now the order of the day. No longer is there an absolute, pure, unchanging, accepted core of beliefs. Unless, of course, Dr. Fauci is talking. But uh, there are so many today who act like that 
truth is relevant. But I remind us this morning that God is truth. Educators and influencers today pick and choose truth as if they're in a buffet line. Now, honestly, I'm not surprising that the secular world is unaccepting of a universal, unchanging truth that finds its origin in God because they are inundated nonstop from the cradle to the grave with false narratives from agendized educators, politicized governmental leaders, and monetized media writers, it appears that truth now is up for grabs. But the tragedy is, to me, I understand why the secular world doesn't get it. But what amazes me today is even in the evangelical church, many have succumbed to cultural pressures and now view church and truth as ever evolving. According to prominent evangelical sociologist, James Davison Hunter, by the way, he's the one who popularized the term that many are using today, culture war. And I quote, the majority of evangelical college and seminary students, more than half, believe the Bible is inspired, but is not to be taken literally concerning matters of science, history, or whatever. Now let me restate that, just so we understand what I'm saying. Folks, the majority of evangelical pastors and church leaders, we're not talking about modernist churches or whatever, we're talking about evangelicals. The majority do not believe that all truth is found in God. What does the future hold for our churches? Do you know why the greatest revival since the time of Acts took place? That revival in the 1500s and beyond called the Reformation? Because a few good men and women, by the way, many of them Anabaptists, had the firm conviction that God is truth. Now this morning, I say with the Apostle Paul, as he said in the book of Romans, let God be true and every man a liar. Let there be no wobble or warble this morning. God is infallible. God is full of truth. And our God is the one we follow this morning. And I will tell you that as there's ever needed a reformation of truth, it is in 2021. We need a new reformation, and that is that God is the source of truth. And so this morning, I remind us that truth never changes, and it certainly doesn't change according to humanity's ability to stomach it. No, God is truth. And so today, our 22nd or more on this subject of who is God, as we begin, I just had to laugh this week. When someone, when I read, someone wrote, what do you get when you ask a liberal politician to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Why, you get three different answers, of course. And uh, <laughs> that's what I'm afraid of. And so this morning, we're going to give one answer. God is truth. <laughs> 
Let's all bow out for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And I pray that, God, today you will unify our hearts around this great truth. We bless you this morning. God, I pray that you'll give us your power. Holy Spirit, teach, train, transform us, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. In the Old Testament record, any time that God spoke to someone, either audibly or personally, every single time, without exception, his word proved out to be absolutely true and reliable. Let me give you a few examples this morning. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be going all over, so get your little phone out or get your iPad or just get your Bible and start rolling. You can take all these notes. We have an app you can download. Maybe even some notes, I think, on paper notes you can fill out. In Genesis chapter 12, we have godly Abraham. He was in his 80s when God first told him he was going to have, this childless man told him he was going to have a child. It was a huge blessing to him. Now, I must admit, if you're in your 80s here, God told you you're going to have a baby. It might be a little surprise to you. But it was a sure blessing to Abraham. Look at verse 7. And the Lord appeared to Abram, Abraham as we know him, and said unto thy seed. What? I don't even have any seed. Well, you're going to have seed. I will give this land. And there builded he an altar to the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that great promise who appeared unto him. And then God kept his promise because he's truthful. He's the true God. In Genesis chapter 21 and verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. All of these phrases are proving God is true. For Sarah conceived, verse 2, And bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. God speaks, and he promises, and he always carries through. The God of truth then spoke again to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. And in Genesis chapter 15, God spoke to him about his beloved nation of Israel. And he told him, it's gonna, your nation's going to end up being in Egypt for 400 years. Look at verse 13 of Genesis 15. And he said unto Abraham, know of a surety... Know it, mark it down, that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, that's Egypt, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. But I promise to do something. Look at verse 14. Also that nation. Now, why they were in Egypt is a bigger story than we want to cover right now. But it ended up being for their blessing. Look at verse 14. And also that nation whom they shall serve, will I judge. That was part of the reason. And afterward, they shall come out with great substance. Another part of the great reason. And then, just as the God of truth indicated in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 40. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. Isn't that something? 
Hear these passages written hundreds of years apart. They are proving the fact that God always answers prayer. God is a prayer answering. God is a truthful God. In John chapter 4, our loving Savior had an uncomfortably, very frank discussion with a precious woman. But a woman with a past. In scripture, she's oftentimes just simply called the Samaritan woman. He was very straightforward with this precious lady. And then inexplicably, instead of getting resentful, as many people do when they're presented with the clear truth, she actually owned it and ultimately repented, gave her heart to the God of truth. Jesus then reminded her of a powerful fact, a fact that he left for us 2,000 years later. The only way that God will discuss anything with any human is on the basis of absolute honesty. God doesn't do lies. He just won't talk. If you lie, God won't talk to you. If you're honest, God comprehends. No comprehende. Any lies, God said. Look at verse 23. But the hour cometh. That's us. And now is. That was them. When the true worshipers, true worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is a God of truth. Therefore, when we worship him, he wants truth. In fact, it says the Father seeks for true worshipers. Then he clarifies it in verse 24. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. True worshipers must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. Therefore, God wants us to worship him with our heart, our spirit. And he requires that our worship be compatible with his nature which is truth. God wants our heart and he wants truth. Isn't that really what we want when we talk to anybody? You know, especially our loved ones, your children, your mate, whatever. Just tell me the truth. Let's be totally honest with each other. Speak from your heart. Let us not talk about this. And that's what God says. God said, I want it in spirit. I want the heart. And I want it in truth. Why is that? Because he's a heart of He's a God of truth. 4,000 years ago, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses rang out a hit song. And in that song, he didn't pull any punches. He said in Deuteronomy 32, verse number four, basically, I'll summarize it. He said, you were wrong and God is right. That's really the, the whole theme of this chapter. But I'll give you verse four. He is a rock. His worth is perfect. His ways are judgment, true justice, a God of truth, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. The only thing that God ever says is truth, never anything but truth. He cannot lie. He is always true to every and all promises. God never threatens, he only delivers. And then in that glorious chapter, Psalm chapter 119, just about my favorite chapter in all of scripture, the shepherd king, David. He said, ever since God has ever revealed himself to man, he's always done it one way, and that's in truth. Look at Psalm 119, verse 160. 
Thy word is true from the beginning. He was just simply saying when God talked to Adam, all truth. When God talked to Eve, all truth. How unlike Lucifer. Lucifer from the beginning lied. In fact, we're told Jesus said he's the father of lies. And when we lie, we're acting just like Satan. But when we speak truth, we're acting like God. Because thy word is true. Why? Because he's the true God. He is true God. And every one of thy righteous judgments endure forever. And now, let's, uh, let's hammer this out a little bit more today. Two clarifications on the fact that God is a God of truth. First of all, he is true in a physical sense. God is not just some smoke, some vision, some essence, some thought that's kind of floating around. No, he is a true physical being. He has real substance. One of the things that people ask and wonder about is that, uh, what is God like? Does he have a body? What does he look like? Well, in the 2003 Hollywood film, Bruce Almighty, you might have seen it, Morgan Freeman wears a white suit and some black shoes. And some people imagine is that, that's kind of an updated version of what God might be like. But the Bible is clear. God is a real being. He has true substance, but he does not have a body. Jesus clarified that in John 4 and verse 24, where we just read a moment ago. God is spirit. By nature, God is a true being, but a spirit being. God is also called invisible by the great apostle Paul. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, while true form, while a real being, he is spirit and he is invisible. He is the only wise God. He gets our glory and honor forever and ever. Why would God need to be a invisible spirit God? Therefore, he has no limitations. He can be all places at all times. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He can be in my mind and your mind and your, and your mind. He is a spirit, real being. He does not have a shadowy existence. He is true in his physical sense. Not only is he true in a physical sense, but he is truth in a moral sense. God is without any error, without any deceit. What a welcome relief. If you are in any businesses right now, if you read any media, if you listen to anything at all, on TV or whatever, you know that pretty much, whether you're listening on the radio or whatever, the majority of what you hear are lies. You know that, right? Pretty much all day long, you're listening to lies. Especially if you work at a place and they have secular music, 99% of what's going on in the background are lies. You may not be really recognizing it, but all day long, subconsciously, you're listening to lies, 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 lies. Every time the media speaks, for the most part, lies, lies, lies. You'd say, well, it's not true. Well, there may be a measure of truth, but it's not God truth. So what a relief then to have a God 
who everything he says is pure. When you pick up that Bible, you never have to filter it. I mean, it is absolutely true. You never have to kind of, you know, wonder if it's going to be true. It is absolute truth. It is the pattern of truth. It is the prototype of truth. Here's a quotable fact. Write it down. There is nothing true, and maybe this would be a, a summary of the message. So if you get this, you, can, you don't have to listen the rest of the time. <laughs> there is nothing true but what is in God or comes from God. Let's say that again. There is nothing true but what is in God or comes from God. Even the most truthful person really can't always say the absolute truth because we, don't, we can't say all the facts. We don't know all that's going on. But God is true. You may remember in John chapter 14, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, was answering one of his beloved disciples, so-called doubting Thomas. Now, I don't like to use that term because I actually like Thomas. He was just a terrible pessimist, that's all. Oh, we're going to die. You're going to die. We're, you know, I mean, he was just a pessimist. But look what Jesus said to him. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the truth. Baal isn't the truth. Lucifer's not the truth. Those priests aren't the truth. Nobody else is the truth. I am the truth. If you want to get to the Father, you have the Father with you. I am God in the flesh. All the teachings of Jesus are true doctrine. Everybody should be in a quest for truth. And if you're in a quest for truth, then by default, you're in a quest for God. Because there is no truth but that which has its origin and its end in God. We need to go no further than Jesus. In fact, that's what 2 Peter said. By the way, we do have a beautiful uh, uh, video out there they can watch if you want to slip out there you may know the famous book and also movie eat pray love it's the story of a married woman I think Julia Roberts uh, starred in the movie a married woman who realizes just how unhappy she is and so she takes her uh, leaves her marriage and divorces and goes off in a completely different direction. In a search, notice what the bottom says, in a search for everything. She goes to Italy, she goes to India where she finds a guru. And supposedly she finds the end of her search for everything. Folks, we could have saved everybody a whole lot of money you don't have to go to India to find truth. You can find truth in India, but it's in Jesus. <laughs> you can find truth in America, but it's in Jesus. Amen. People say, well, so-and-so has the truth, or science has the truth. No, all truth has its origin in God. There are two clarifications of a God of truth. Now, second of all, two contributions of a God of truth. What is the value of having a truthful God? First of all, truth is faith's support. It is the resting place 
of our faith. Abraham spoke of, uh, we spoke of earlier, referred to God as a faithful God. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 21, the apostle reminded us how Abraham could do all that he did. How could he be such a man of faith? Sometimes people say, boy, it's amazing. The faith that Abraham had, I agree. That he could believe that God was going to give him a child at that age and make him a great nation. I mean, wow, what faith. But notice what it says. And being fully persuaded, just because he felt it? No. At what he had been promised. Romans 4.21. He had been promised by the God who created the universe, who spoke the world into existence. If God said it, then I can trust it. Because God's track record is flawless. And so then, truth becomes faith support. The Bible record for accuracy is impeccable. God always is true. Ten out of ten times, he's true. Now, I know major leagues, baseball, two-way phenom, Shohei, he is quite a guy. I read his stats, leading the American lead, I think, in home runs. He's a pitcher as well. Unbelievable. But I tell you one thing, he has, as good as that guy is, he doesn't hold a candle to God because God bats a thousand. He never has, he's never been a whiff at all. I mean, he is amazing. All faith must be based on facts. Emotions are great. Nothing wrong with emotions. They're God-given. They can be healthy, but emotionalism is a problem. And an emotionalistic faith is a shaky faith. A faith that's centered on experiences, maybe a heart-stirring worship time, wonderful. A rousing sermon, a hot sermon on a, in a cool auditorium, or some mountaintop experience, or some spiritual ecstasy that people feel, all that's good. But I will tell you this, feelings only last so long. And eventually you'll get bored because the feelings wear out. If your Christianity is a Mr. Rogers feel good kind of moment, you know, uh, no, I want it to be based on the fact of Scripture. Paul, in that amazing pastoral epistle, he was speaking to his preacher boy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Notice what it said. I love this verse. I've got to tell you, this verse has been a blessing in my heart many a time. If we believe not, You'd say, well, that's not me, boy, I'm a believer. Well, wait a second. <laughs> have you ever doubted? You probably, uh, you wouldn't be human if you didn't have some doubts or some, you know, kind of just, what's God doing? If we ever get to that point, and sometimes we do, the loss of a loved one, the brokenness of someone disloyal, the defection of a child that breaks our heart, if we ever come to a point where we have doubts and we believe not, I'm thankful that God abides faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. It is impossible for God to deny himself. And I will tell you, this even extends to medical problems. There may come a day when you are in a position where you forget that you ever were saved. You get to a point where you're just out there in this somewhere, you're alive, but you're just not all there. Thank God, even if I can't continue believing, 
he continues for me because he is faithful. He's the true God. Aren't we glad for the, the doctrine that God is true? Thank the Lord this morning. If I don't abide faithful, he is a faithful God. Now, there is a second contribution of the fact of a God of truth. And that is that truth is mercy's fulfillment. It is faith's support, but mercy's fulfillment. Let me explain. Titus was led to Christ by the Apostle Paul. He ended up becoming an amazing evangelist on the Isle of Crete. In verse number two of that great epistle, here is Paul's prayer. Look at what he says. Verse two, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, thank the Lord, a God of truth, promised before the world began. God has given us eternal life, and that is a merciful promise. So I have the promise, but what good is a promise if God doesn't carry through with it? That's why the fact of God's truth is mercy's support. I thank God for his mercy. But if lots of people have mercy or they say, boy, I'll be there for you. You just call me if you need me. If anything you ever need, <laughs> and it may not pan out, but I will tell you, God's mercy, he follows it up with the fact. Notice what it says. Eternal life, which is the, because of God's mercy, which God who cannot lie. That's the fact. That's the certainty of it. Mercy makes the promise. Truth fulfills the promise. Basically, was Paul was simply saying that even if today you're not uh, always able to do what you need to do, thank God, God will take care of that. God has an absolute guarantee, industrial strength. God will not and cannot ever lie. Moses in Exodus chapter 34 said about God, he said, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. What was he saying? He was saying, God can and often does more than he ever promised, that he'll never do less because he is just overflowing in truth. Thank God for every promise he's ever made. All right, now, two explanations of a God of truth. Number one, the Lord may sometimes delay a promise, but he will never deny a promise. God's promise may lie for a while, like a seed underground, but eventually it will sprout into a crop. I remember reading, and I looked it up this week, the Agave Americana. It is known as the century plant. It's a big cactus looking thing, but it only blooms once every hundred years or so. They're not actually sure because nobody ever lives long enough to actually watch it bloom. But about every hundred years, this particular plant known as the century plant just all of a sudden sprouts and it just starts blooming. Underground, but it's as good as coming. Some things that are underground, but God's going to make it happen. Faithful Simeon, for example, was given a delayed promise by God. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 26, for all these years, Simeon wondered if he'd ever see the Christ child. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 26, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Every time anybody talked to Simeon, 
Have you seen the Messiah? Have you seen the Messiah? No. But God promised me before I died, I'd see him. Can you imagine that moment when he got to hold that little baby in his hand, the very Christ child, as a fulfillment of promise? If he hadn't had a true God, a truthful God, a God of truth, he wouldn't have been able to hang on to that promise. God may delay a promise. Thank God he never denies it. Number two, God may refine his promise, but he never renounces that promise. Sometimes God changes a earthly promise into a spiritual promise, a temporal promise into an eternal promise. The wonderful sons of Korah who had kind of a rough start in life, but those sons of Korah in Psalm 85, they said, the Lord gives that which is good. Now that doesn't mean that everything physically or on this earth tangibly is good. It just means that God sometimes will give us spiritually that which is good. God may for his glory and for our good modify his promise, but he never breaks that promise. Ethan, the great songwriter in Psalm 89, during a time of the divided monarchy was very grieved but grateful at seeing what God was doing in his nation. Look what it says in verse 33. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, listen to this, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. Look at that little last phrase. Nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. In the original language, that is, I will not allow my faithfulness to lie. God would never lie to us on that regard. God may alter something, but it doesn't mean it's no longer going to happen. It just means that he has a different plan. Our loving God gave Elena and Luke, Pastor Luke, the promise of a child. They were so excited over 20 years ago now when they had uh, found out they were going to have a little baby. As they went along, they were so joyous, but then a time came when they found the baby had some serious complications. As it turned out, uh, little Jesslyn was born with very serious problems and only lived for about two hours outside the womb. And so the promise that was given to them, which was so wonderful, now took a different form. God allowed that child and took that child actually to heaven and so when they had to place that little baby in the arms of that nurse, and when she was no more, you know, oh, that's a broken promise by God. No, not a broken promise, just changed. Now that child's still theirs. They'll someday be able to see her in heaven. And then God in his mercy gave them six more children. God may delay it. He may change it. He may change something physical into spiritual, but that's his business. We've seen people that God heals, maybe not physically, but he heals them by taking them to heaven. The truth of the matter is all healing is temporary anyway. And so we thank God that in his wisdom, he never lies. He may change it. He may delay it. He may modify it, but it doesn't mean at all that he hasn't carried through with what he said because he's a God of truth. He can't lie. 
Now there are seven ways a truthful God impacts our daily lives. And we're going to get through this. So I want you to listen closely. Number one, the truth of God is the foundation of salvation. David reminded us there is nothing more important than our redemption. But thank God we can bank on it. Look what it says in Psalm 31 and verse 5. Into thy hand I commit, deposit, my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I'm glad that when we give him our heart, we can trust in him. We can trust in him. Sometimes businesses say you can trust us to get it done or do this, but thank God you can really trust the Lord. He is a foundation of our salvation. He, the truth of God or the God of truth is the basis of condemnation. That's not a specially blessed, easy, pleasant thought to think of this morning, but thankfully a future judgment of God is not based on any whim, not whatever uh, group we're with or color of our skin or whatever the case is. No, it's based on absolute truth. 2 Thessalonians 2.12, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. There you go. No more complicated than that. <laughs> believe the truth, you're good. Don't believe the truth, there's a problem. But had pleasure in unrighteousness. Folks, at the great white throne judgment, there'll be no fake news. Not one bit. It's all truth. Absolutely. Like Noah said, get in the boat or stay out of the boat. It's not any more complicated than that. And folks, when it comes to the salvation, it really isn't any more complicated. Accept Christ or don't accept Christ. That's what it's saying here. He is saying it is the basis of our salvation. It is the essential of sanctification, number three. There's only one way to grow in the Lord, and that is by the truth of God. John 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God's word is truth. It frees us from the power of sin and from the penalty of death. But how can we know this truth? Well, you have to go back to verse 31. Notice verse 32 begins with an and. So that connects it to the verse before. Verse 32 says, and here's what you do to solve what he said in verse 31. What did he say in verse 31? Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, ah, that's how you're set free by being a follower of truth. Not just a once a year Christian, no, a follower, a daily follower, a weekly follower. The fact of the matter is truth and walking in moral freedom are closely entwined. Someone once said immorality blinds us to the truth and truth binds us to morality. A powerful statement. Number four, the truth of God is the source of glorification. The truth of God is God's word, is the basis for any and all rich worship and praise. Folks, if you can live like the devil, never open your Bible, and go someplace and have a good time worshiping the Lord, that's a problem. Because the basis of all worship ought to be because we bring a heart full of God, a heart full of loving God and loving the word of God. Paul weighed in on this in 1 Corinthians verse number or chapter 5 where he called a church service a, a feast he said let us therefore keep the feast not with old leaven you know something we read you know 50 years ago doesn't mean anything anymore no 
neither with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. If you want to have a feast at church, then God said, just feast all week long on the leaven of truth and let that just permeate your life with such greatness. Nothing less than an absolute commitment to truth to have a wonderful worship. Number five, the truth of God is the origin of information. Now, there's a lot of talk today on social media about misinformation and uh, fact checkers. My question is this morning, who is checking the checkers? <laughs> I have a hard time believing that a bunch of Silicon Valley socialists would know truth if it stared them in the face. I will tell you right now. But I know where truth is found. And you know where truth is found. And that is in the blessed word of God. He is the gold standard of information. Look what it says in Psalm 25 verse 55. Lead me in or by thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. All true information has its source in God. Number six, the truth of God is the root of domination. And God has created us to dominate this world. You'd say, are you talking about, you know, some kind of evangelical domination? No, I'm just talking about God has created us to walk over all the things in this world. God said he created it all for his people. And through God's word, God wants us to win the war. And I will tell you, a war is here and a war is coming. Folks, you, why do you think God has all these stories about war in the Old Testament? Why do you think it talks about all this war language? Because we're in a war. Look what it says in Ephesians 6 and verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with guns. I'm not against guns, but that's not the war we're talking about. Have your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. That's exactly why we tell folks to get into church and get going for God. A Bible-believing, in-person church. That's why God calls church in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, the pillar and ground of the truth. There is a multi-million dollar luxury tower over in San Francisco. You may have heard about it. It's called the Millennium Tower. During the last decade, this tower, which just so expensive, so beautiful, has sunk by 18 inches and tilted by 14. Now, I'll tell you something. They uh, are trying to figure out what happened. Well, what they discovered was that it was built on a trash heap, which they kind of knew, but since all the water has been continued pumped out, the whole thing is sinking. So their answer, we've got to take reinforced big pillars, uh, concrete and rebar, and send it down to the bedrock. And I'm telling you folks, that's what we need to do today. If we're going to build our homes, if we're going to build our lives and our marriages and our churches, we need to get through the trash heap of this world and go right on down to the bedrock of truth. That's Jesus Christ. He is the bedrock of truth. That's what I'm excited about this morning. 
The truth of God is the foundation of salvation, the basis of condemnation, the essential of sanctification, the source of glorification, the origin of information, the root of domination, and finally, the spring of inspiration. Folks, there is only one way to do the Christian life, and that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit and you and I aren't going to have on being good terms if we're not truthful people. John 14, verse number 7 even the spirit of truth, Jesus promised, whom the world cannot receive. Sometimes we hear some Christian teacher, and they get a little carried away. I understand. Sometimes a Christian teacher will say something like, this is new information. This is groundbreaking. Well, you can be sure of this. If it is truth, and it is inspired of the Holy Spirit, and by that metric, it's not new. It is eternal. It is God's eternal truth. Hallelujah. Truth is eternal. Psalm 117, verse 2, the truth of the Lord endureth forever. It never goes out of fashion or changes with time. Truth is eternal. Number two, truth is universal. Truth is universal. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, verse 17, Paul said, I teach everywhere and in every church. I teach the same thing. When I go to Turkey, Asia Minor. When I go to Greece, when I go to Rome, when I go to Jerusalem, it makes no difference. I think I say the same thing in every church. Folks, God, the Word, works the same everywhere. When Pastor Mike goes to India, he preaches Jesus. When he goes to China, he preaches Jesus. When he goes to the Philippines, he preaches Jesus. When he goes to Stockton and Lodi, he preaches Jesus. Truth is eternal. It is universal. And finally, truth is doctrinal. It is orderly. That's why the apostle, the prophet said in Isaiah 28, verse 10. This is one of the verses my dad used to quote to me. Precept upon precept, son. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Truth is systematic. Truth is organized. Truth is a system. I hear sometimes people say, I'm just not into organized religion. Strange, really, because they're definitely into an organized restaurant. When they go to order something, they want their food and they want it organized. They're into an organized business. No, let's just be honest. The fact is you just don't want someone telling you what to do. You're so cheap, you make a Scottish guy blush. I mean to tell you, you don't want to give. So it's not organized religion. No, that's not the deal. Sometimes I hear people say, well, at our church, we don't worship doctrine. We worship Jesus. That sounds good. But how do you know who Jesus is if you don't have systematic doctrine? The Bible is given to us to understand who Jesus is. You cannot have truth apart from doctrine. Some years ago, and I close with this. There was a horrific train wreck. It was a terrible train wreck that took the lives of a number of people. A train loaded with young people returned from school with stall on a suburban track. Another train was due to come in to the station to warn, you need to do something before you hit this other train. So a flagman was sent back to warn the coming engineer 
to avert collision. Thinking all was well, the one tracks, one train stuck on the tracks, the crowd laughed and chatted, and suddenly the whistle of another oncoming train was heard. It crashed into that local train at the loss of many lives. The engineer of the oncoming train was thrown from that engine, but lived. Days afterward, they brought him into court, in part to just account for what had happened, if there was any kind of a thing that had gone wrong. And soon a discrepancy arrived in the testimony of the flagman and the engineer. The engineer was asked, did you not see the flagman warning you to stop? He said, well, I saw him, but he was waving a yellow flag, and so I took it that it was caution, but it was good to go. So I went on through. Then they asked the flagman, what flag did you wave? He said, I waved a red flag, but that guy went by me like a shot. They said, well, are you sure it's red? He said, absolutely, it's a red flag. Both insisted that what their version was correct. Neither was colorblind. And so finally they asked the flagman, go get that flag and bring it into the court. And once he brought it into the court, the mystery was solved. That flag was red at one time. But over the course of the years, it had faded to a dingy, almost yellow appearance. All because of a flag that was just destroyed. Folks, I'm telling you today that there are many yellow gospels out there. There are many people waving flags and there is so much fake news and fake information that is just sending people to a doom. Thank God for the wonderful flag of the word of God who is always true and always right. We thank God for his, that he is a God of truth today. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, if you would please. Our heads are bowed. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.